You're listening to The Loop, an audio series about the mud, microbes, and mammals in the Gulf of Mexico. I'm David Levin. The Deepwater Horizon oil spill in 2010 was the biggest environmental disaster ever to hit the Gulf of Mexico. It broke all records, including one set by a 1979 spill that lasted nine months. That spill, called Ixtoc-1, spewed oil all across the Mexican coastline, even parts of Texas. That spill, and Deepwater Horizon as well, will continue to contribute to oil pollution-related issues in the Gulf for, for decades. Steve Morawski heads a joint team of U.S. and Mexican researchers that are revisiting Ixtoc today. They want to find out how and if the environment near the spill is recovered. That'll give them clues to how the area near Deepwater Horizon might look in the future. Their first step, some digital archaeology, dusting off satellite data from the late 1970s, before Twitter, before Facebook, and, yep, even before podcasts. Stay tuned. We're aboard the Justo Sierra, a Mexican research ship parked in the middle of the Gulf of Mexico. In the galley, music plays constantly. It feels festive. But at a small table, an international team of scientists are huddling, making serious plans. Where are we right now? That's a good question. Within a few miles of the actual Ixtoc wellhead that blew out 40 years ago. Travis Washburn is part of a team of scientists combing the southern Gulf of Mexico. They want to measure the aftermath of the 1979 Ixtoc 1 oil spill. Together with their Mexican colleagues, they're on a sort of forensics mission, taking samples of mud on the ocean floor near the spill site. They'll use what they gathered to find out how well the ecosystem recovered in the last four decades, or if it recovered. And what they learn might help them predict how the area affected by Deepwater Horizon will look 40 years in the future. But when it comes to oil spills, there's always a few complications lurking just under the surface. To understand how these scientists even ended up on this ship, we've got to back up and head to the other side of the Gulf to an office overlooking Tampa Bay to talk to this guy. Hey, David, how's it going? Steve Morawski, professor at the University of South Florida College of Marine Science. He's one of the scientists in charge of the U.S.-Mexico collaboration. And he says the big issue with studying Ixtoc is that nobody's really sure where all that oil went. In 1979, there was no way to map the spill, so millions of barrels went unaccounted for. I haven't seen any comprehensive maps that were drawn in the day. The only real maps of Ixtoc were cartoons that people had drawn from, you know, some uh, notions of where the uh, oil was. Without a data-driven map, knowing where to find traces of the spill would be impossible. There's really not much information on Ixtoc. By contrast, Deepwater Horizon was measured by multiple satellites, dozens of ships and aircraft, every hour of every day, giving real-time detail on where oil was going. Deepwater Horizon was an absolutely um, unique event in terms of the, the uh, amount and diversity of resources that were available to actually do this tracking. You know, people wanted not only to see the imagery at the wellhead, but they also wanted to know where it was so that people could make up their own minds about their risk of oil coming ashore in different places. The, the notion that uh, we can wait for these maps or that, you know, we can get by with bits and pieces um, really is not going to fly in, in this uh, sort of wired world that we live in these days. In the 70s, though, that level of detail wasn't even a possibility. No. <laughs> no way. Xuan Min Hu is an optical oceanographer at USF. He uses satellites to study modern oil spills. 
He says the advantage is that a single satellite image lets him survey the entire Gulf of Mexico in one shot. Think about if you want to do that with our aircraft, it would take days or even months to have one complete view of the Gulf, not to mention a boat. It takes years for a boat. Back in 1979, though, a handful of planes and boats were pretty much all first responders had to work with. So they did the best they could. And once the well was plugged, the spill was mostly forgotten. But what cleanup crews didn't know was that a few hundred miles overhead, two early satellite instruments were busy clicking away. The first was the Landsat multispectral scanner, basically a sort of digital camera in orbit. The second was the Coastal Marine Color Scanner, or CZCS. Uh, at that time, uh, satellites were just launched. You know, very few people knew how to use them. And also, of, you know, there were much fewer satellites. And uh, the, uh, the technology used on board is also uh, not as good as today's, you know, to put in, in, in the best way. To put it another way, the satellites were less powerful than an old Nintendo game. And because of their orbits, they didn't fly over the Gulf of Mexico that often. CZCS took measurements of the Gulf just once every four days. Uh, for the other sensor, every 16 days you have a measurement. And that didn't mean the measurements were even usable. Exactly, exactly. There's no guarantee you have cloud-free data. And on average, in the Gulf of Mexico, the odds of having cloud-free measurement is one over three. So basically, if you have three images a day, then you may have a, a cloud-free measurement. But even with these limitations, who thought the old data might still come in handy? If he and his team could use it to piece together images of the Gulf from 40 years ago, they might be able to make a basic map of where oil traveled during Ixtoc, one that could help Steve Morawski's team figure out which areas to study first. So who and his students revisited the old satellite files? They're actually not that hard to get. Just visit the NASA website. So everybody, uh, not just from this country, you know, from around the world, has access to that data. So that's the public domain. How you process the data. That's the challenging part. It means turning raw data from the satellites into an image, then figuring out which region of the Gulf it's actually showing. And then you've got to figure out if there's any oil in the water, which isn't always obvious. So the first thing is to look at contrast on the ocean surface. So any outstanding features, you know, that's a suspicious feature. Who says you can tell at a glance if the image just shows clouds or stuff floating on the surface? but you can't easily tell if the material on the water is algae, oil, or something else. To do that, you have to analyze the subtle colors of light being reflected and absorbed. Those well-designed sensors measure the different colors reflected from uh, oil, from non-oil, and from other things in the ocean. And uh, they each have a different you know, color shade measured by the, uh, the sensor. So oil has a different shade than others, uh, although your eyes can barely tell the difference. So whose grad student, Xiaoji Sun, started poring over all the data? He figured out, slowly, which measurements showed oil instead of clean seawater. And over the course of a few months, he squeezed out enough information to make this, a map. So I have a map of the Gulf of Mexico. In the lower left, um, the brownish color maps an extract oil spill. On his computer screen, soon points to a swirling brown streak near the Mexican coastline. It represents where oil traveled over nine months in 1979. In other words, it's the first map ever to be made of the extract spill, 
nearly four decades after the well was plugged. It's really exciting to map out a 40 years old oil spill, but other scientists can use my map and my work uh, to do their own science. Scientists like Steve Morawski. He sees the work as a gold mine. Um, we looked at the map that we got from the satellite imagery as a treasure map. It's incredibly valuable from the scientific point of view. And that treasure map has, to- has basically told us where to look for uh, concentrations of oil, both on the bottom and also um, ashore in, in the shoreward areas. Murawski says that by dusting off old data, Xiaoji Sun and Xuanmin Hu have created something entirely new, a tool that lets scientists revisit the past. It's made possible the work that Murawski and his team are doing on Xstock. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the, the new map that we have gives us not only um, a mosaic of what happened over nine months, you know, so we can see the full footprint, but it also gives us some time slices of how that oil spill evolved over time. Back aboard the Justo Sierra, scientists are using Sun and Hu's map to plan out where to take samples along the Mexican coast. They're pulling bits of mud from the seafloor, collecting worms and other creatures living there, and they're analyzing the water surrounding them, all based on the guidance they're getting from 40-year-old satellites. What they find now will help them understand the impact of Deepwater Horizon four decades in the future and tell whether the next generation of Gulf residents will still be feeling its effects. For The Loop, I'm David Levin. Funding for The Loop and for Sea Image is provided by grants from BP and the Gulf of Mexico Research Initiative. The Loop is a production of the University of South Florida. 